Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. It's Two Dudes in a Kitchen with Tyler Florence. And Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to Two Dudes in a Kitchen, even though today is going to be one dude in the kitchen because Tyler Florence is lazy and he doesn't want to be on the show. No, I'm kidding. He is uh, under the weather, so I said I would uh, I would take over and uh, do the episode solo. But don't worry, there will be another dude in the kitchen because coming up in a little bit, we are going to have Jake Cohen on the show. Uh, This is such a cool dude to have on the show. And it's very timely because today is Passover and he actually has a book out right now called uh, Jewish. He's described as a nice Jewish boy who loves to cook. He's got so many freaking followers on Instagram and TikTok. All his food looks so amazing. So it's going to be fun to talk to him about Passover cuisine and just Jewish cuisine in general. I am not a Jewish boy. I'm a Gentile, uh, raised Catholic, which means uh, it's Easter weekend for us. And I guess when I think of Easter, I think of my mother just drunk on mimosas. (laughs) No, I think of one, I think of Easter egg hunts, which are so much fun. Well, mainly the to getting the paints, the Easter eggs, and getting that like stupid kit and like the bad dyes and like ruining the kitchen counter. Um, I think that that is like one of the most amazing things in the world. And then one of the things that we did in my families is we'd take those eggs that we had hard boiled and then and then painted, and then we'd make deviled eggs out of them. And that was always a fun thing to bring to like you'd always go like to the the club, the country club or something and have Easter uh, lunch there or have it, you know, after Easter mass. But for all the adults out there, I saw this on Instagram and I really, really liked it. And I'm going to employ it uh, for my family uh, next time we're all together. And it was a, um, it was a Modelo hunt. So instead of Easter eggs, uh, I saw a father had replaced eggs with um, Modellas and then he hid the beers all around the yard and then gave 
his son's um, the six pack holders, and they were able to go walk around and um, and hunt for Modelo's. And obviously, this is a twenty one and up game, but uh, it really spoke to me. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do that with my family. I'm gonna do that with my family one day. I think one thing you have to have when it comes to uh, to Easter brunch, you have to have deviled eggs. Needs to be done. You need mimosas. Um, have to, and I think you need a like honey baked ham. I don't know why those are the things that we need, um, but and I don't know why that signifies the resurrection of Christ, but it does for some reason. I don't even know why eggs do, but uh, those are the three things that I think you absolutely need when it comes to uh, Easter. And you got to go, uh, and you got to go to mass. All right. I wish Tyler was here because I would love to hear like what things that he absolutely has to have on an Easter brunch. But don't worry, he will be resurrected in a couple of days and he will be back on the show. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Very excited to welcome our guest on Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Jake is a New York Times bestselling author and one of the food world's brightest stars. He's worked in some of New York City's best restaurants and test kitchens. He's amassed a massive following on Instagram, over 900,000 on Insta and well over a million on TikTok. He receives accolades such as making the Forbes 30 under 30 list for food and drink and his 2021 New York Times bestselling cookbook, Jew, 
ish, <laughs> amazing, uh, recipes from uh, modern mensch was widely praised as a brilliantly modern take on Jewish culinary traditions for a new generation of readers. He studied at the Culinary Institute of America. He transitioned out of restaurants and into food media, first as a Savor magazine, which led to recipe tasting in the publication's test kitchen. Greatest job ever, I think. After Savor, his career has led him to write and contribute to dozens of incredible food publications. He is a nice Jewish boy who loves to cook. He is a nice guy. He's a great follow on social media. Please welcome the two dudes in the kitchen, Jake Cohen. Hey, how's it going? It's going good, man. How are you? Good. First of all, welcome to the show. I love how you're described as a nice Jewish boy who loves to cook. That sounds like that's something that your grandma uh, came up with for like a way to like get you into the dating scene or something. Uh, definitely. I mean, I will say grandmas are my target demographic. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anything, uh, anything that shows, shows the smile. I hosted a cooking show on Hulu called, um, best in dough. And the first episode we did was, was, um, only Italian grandmothers known as from the old country. And, um, they coined me America's grandson. So I'm America's grandson. You're a nice Jewish boy who loves to cook. I think that uh, this is a match made in heaven. Definitely. I got to ask, where did your passion for cooking begin? I think it's around that kind of transactional quality that you get from cooking for someone. To me, it was never about like the food itself. It's why I never really wanted to get, I mean, I've done fine dining, but I wanted to get out of it as fast as I could because I've always been addicted to like seeing people's reaction to the food that I cook. So it was always, it started when I was young, like throwing dinner parties for friends and then looking back, they were terrible. Like th these were not good uh, dinner parties I was throwing, but it was just the idea of curating a space and creating something that people really had a, a great time um, at that I, I, I wanted to get more of. Okay, but now you have this gigantic social media following of people watching you make these amazing dishes and delicious cocktails as well, but you can't see their reaction. So how do you parse that? Yeah, that's actually, it's, it's a great question because I would say a lot of people, they define success based on, on likes or followers or all that stuff. And for me, what I've always really had the most amount of pride in is how many people actually make the recipes and then tag me in their stories. So the reaction is when they're so excited because they've made something, it comes out amazing and they feel a little bit more confident in the kitchen. So th that's my goal. And that's the thing that I, I love to see the most. So as a, uh, a nice Catholic boy, please explain to me, what is it about Jewish food that stands out to you? So, and it's not, it's not like unique to Jewish food, but all of these foods are tied to some type of ritual. So the, their origins come from some gathering. And really when you like boil down most of Judaism, it, it's conversations on morals and ethics and, and opportunities to gather those you love and really be present with them and discuss it. We're talking today, it's the first night of Passover and it, it's, I've been cooking all day. What's gonna happen is we're gonna gather, we're gonna have this meal, but we're also have this opportunity to discuss the importance of freedom. And to me, I think that that's super special. Ashkenazi food is having its moment where you think of like, right now it's a bagel culture in New York. And now it's really starting to expand past that towards lots of, I don't know, cabbage, smoked fish, dill, like Eastern Europe, 
old school food that's just done in a way that's a little bit higher end. So I think there's a place for everything. So you mentioned earlier today is uh, is Passover. And for people that don't know, what is uh, Passover Seder? It is our retelling of the story of the exodus of the Jews from Egypt. And one of the things that is so amazing about it is that it's this tradition, we do this thing called a Seder, which just means order, where we just really go through and talk about what happened, but not in a linear sense. We're talking about what happened through the real lens of why it's important. Why is it important to be against systems of oppression? Why is it important to show gratitude for for being free? Um, and really, it, it's just a, this important gathering of your family to be a little deep while you eat gefilte fish and matzo ball soup. Okay, so you mentioned two dishes right there. Like, what what has to be at a Passover seder to make it like a true Passover seder for? myself for an Ashkenazi Seder, you got to have gefilte fish, you have to have matzo ball soup, you have to have a brisket. I, I literally I just did a TV segment today. It was just all about brisket. Because when you ask any Jew that had like some kind of holiday, and it's like, Oh, what was on the menu? Nine times out of 10, brisket will be on it. Because it's just like, a, it, it is this special occasion thing. It's this cut of meat that originally was really cheap, because it took forever to cook. It was something that that was you couldn't grill it. You couldn't um, just like throw it into a pan like a steak. You really had to cook it low and slow, which made it uh, super expensive. And it's become the special occasion food. Okay, I've had matzo ball soup. It's delicious. I've never had gefilte fish. Uh, It sounds like something that I would love, but I have found that the things that I would never order on a menu are the things that I end up loving the most once I try them. So try to explain to me what gefilte fish is. So gefilte fish today is different than what it was. Originally, gefilte means stuffed. So it would be is that they would make this kind of terrine of fish and matzo meal and eggs, and they would stuff it into another fish and, and poach it until really all of the gelatin from the bones of the skin created this this beautiful gelled stock. Um, now we see them more so as patties of just the filling, not as much stuffed in a whole fish. Uh, originally, you'd have to eat it with like, with lots of, of like potatoes or bread because you have all these little pin bones and you need something to, to help protect you. Today's <laughs> world, you have, uh, I made gefilte fish from scratch today. A lot of people buy it. It's the same thing as almost any other food item where it's been industrialized to the degree that yes, you can have bad gefilte fish in the same way that you can have bad anything, a bad hamburger, a bad hot dog, a bad uh, pasta sauce. Like there is, there is the quality of the dish itself and how it's prepared. So when you do it really well, it's just this beautiful, slightly spongy, tender fish cake that I am obsessed with. If you had to choose one, what's your all-time favorite dish to create? I would, I would say matzo ball soup. I'm a big soup person. I just think that like, I don't know, hot girls eat soup. That's like, it's just the the whole thing. You have, there's no day, no matter what temperature it is, no matter how I'm feeling, that soup would not improve my overall mood. So I guess we got to talk matzo. Um, I know that it, it's a, kind of like an unleavened bread that yeah. you you eat uh, on Passover. 
Um, I guess one kind of ex- explain what it is, maybe the origins of, and then go into like your favorite take on matzah. Cause I was going through your Instagram and you effectively made pizza with matzah and it looked fire. Yeah. So it's funny. It's one of the things that when we talk about food, especially in today's world, there's so much in the conversation around claiming on origins of where did that come from? X, Y, Z. Matzah is the only food that can be undisputed considered Jewish. It is the only like Jewish food undisputed. And the reason being is because it, it is a food that is truly just pulled out of Exodus. We were leaving Egypt, didn't have time to let the bread rise. So pretty much you have these crackers for the people that actually make the matzah. I believe it's like the flour hits the water and then has to be baked within 18 minutes. That's like the, the whole math behind it. What you do with it, yeah, if you just eat it, it's it's a dry cracker. But you can, I don't know, zhuzh it up. Anything from just butter and jam to I've done like, I do this matzah brittle every year which I'm, I'm selling this year on Gold Belly, which is, would have been so much fun. So you just cover the matzah in toffee, in like a butterscotch toffee caramel, and then you top it with chocolate and whatever toppings you want. And then it just becomes this like really delicious, addictive, crunchy sugar balls. So that's always going to be good. Matzah pizza. Yeah, people get really inventive. You see cultures around the world, matzah lasagna, matzah roll-ups with different kinds of meats. Like anything that you would do with bread, we try to do with matzah. Not always successfully, but we try. Did I see that you made like a breakfast dish with matzah? Like, did, matzah did you break bry. it up? Yes, I totally yeah. forgot. Yeah, matzah bry is a classic. It is a classic um, breakfast that you would have in America where it's fried with eggs and butter. And then it could go one of two ways. Some people do it savory with like caramelized onions, or they do it sweet in which it's just like, scrambled it's kind of like french toast dish with a sprinkle on cinnamon sugar and either way is great it kind of depends on your mood of of which way i i I tend to veer speaking of breakfast i was going through uh a bunch of your videos today and it seems like you have a love of cottage cheese that uh, i i have not seen in a lot of a lot of chefs and uh explain how much you use cottage cheese and how you use it a little bit differently than most yeah i'm in a cottage cheese era i i love <laughs> when, when it when it, and that's why i always refer to them as eras because yeah. like as a recipe developer i find an obsession with something i consider all of my cookbooks to be like 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 um like fashion seasons like yeah. it's the fall, the fall summer, is having a moment right now the fall winter collection spring summer collection the, every book i do is like what i'm obsessed with right now right now i'm obsessed with cottage cheese i just think it's mainly because i'm like coming to the end of bulking season before i mean it's it's so gross when i don't like to talk about this a lot on like instagram it's like that i'm like just like big in fitness but so it's like coming to the end of bulking season and when like i need protein cottage cheese, like low-fat cottage cheese insane how much protein you can get at such low fat and you could replace all of your dairy with it so i've been just like very into it i also just love it plain on its own with some jam and honey uh but yeah so i do it in i'll puree it up and then i'll use it for pastas so like i did a vodka sauce with it, it came out great mm-hmm. is it as unctuous and delicious as when you use heavy cream of course not but is it good enough to really scratch that itch and you feel really great that you had three bowls and you're getting your protein instead of 
Mm, just getting a ton of fat? Yeah, so there's a time and a place for everything. I love to just throw it in when I scramble eggs too. It makes it super creamy, adds extra protein. All that that good stuff that people talk ad nauseum whenever they're on. It's the same thing like being gluten-free or vegan. It's like as soon as you have a diet thing, everyone needs to know about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I saw the eggs that you made and I was like, wow, those look like the curds. I guess the curds of the cottage cheese even helped to make that like egg curd that you love exactly. to see on top of uh, egg toast. It looks so good. You mentioned gold belly earlier and uh, you use gold belly a lot. What's your most popular item on gold belly? Uh, the, so it's funny. I really, I consider myself a clown. I, I mean, I, I think that anyone really in the public eye, especially in food, it's like, if you're not doing anything really serious, that's, that's that way I consider us clowns. So as a food clown, I wanted to do stuff around Jewish food that was not taking myself too seriously and just have, help people have fun. So the whole idea is like, why do I use gold belly when they, when they approach me to launch a line. I was like, I always use this to send gifts. It's always about a celebration. It's someone's birthday, X, Y, and Z. So it's like, what is going to be the celebration? And that's where I came up with birthday cake babka. And it just, it's taken off. People go crazy for it. We need to talk chopped liver because yeah. I feel like um, it gets a bad rap because of how it is used in like traditional nomenclature as like this cliche of a negativity. Yeah. Uh, if someone's never had chopped liver before, uh, how do you recommend preparing a dish for them that may sound scary for some people? For sure. I I do I do love chopped liver. I think there's a time and a place. I'm not looking to eat it every day. I don't think anyone should because it is it, health-wise. I don't think we should be eating liver that much. But um, on a special occasion, I have this great recipe in my first book. The key part is you don't want to overcook your liver and you want to season it up. So it's, it's this huge like sponge for salt. And then I always do honey. So I, I fry up the livers and I add in honey and smoked paprika. And it just helps give that beautiful um, caramelized color that uh, sings when you like chop it up. And you don't want to get it like too chunky or too smooth. And everyone's going to have a different taste about it. But my biggest thing is you got to make it fresh. I think when people are not crazy about liver, it's because it's been made days earlier and it's been just like set in the fridge. And liver is one of those things, very much like hummus or, or a lot of um, a lot of ingredients that once they firm up when cold, it changes the texture completely and can make it go from a really pleasurable experience to something not so nice. Yeah, you created your own cookbook, uh, Jewish. Uh, it's taken off, by the way. I feel like some politicians may have stolen that line from you, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it is what it is. Uh, so, what inspired you to, to to create this cookbook? I think, especially like writing a book, which I knew I always wanted to do. I'm like very blessed to that have that be like the bread and butter of what I focus my time on. My next one comes out in September. I have a third one in the works already, and I always want these books to be a part of the food world, like a part of the story that I'm telling that I feel like adds to the world around me. And when I was thinking about what my perspective would be, it was really at this time that my husband and I had just started hosting Shabbat. We were figuring out what our, our Jewish identity was as a couple. And I really like, I fell in love with this new age of how we were going to take all of our traditions and adapt them for our current world. So like when I say 
Jewish, it's like, it's a play because so many people refer themselves that way. But really what I'm saying is I'm 100% Jewish, but the way that I practice that and the way that I cook our dishes are totally not what you would expect based on total tradition. Yeah. I was looking through some of your videos and as a guy who plays a bartender on a bad TV show, I <laughs> love that you brought in this Passover blood orange sour. It looks fire. Um, do you like to do that? Do you like to pair what you're cooking with uh, like beverages that will go along with? Funny enough, it's really only for the holidays. I don't actually drink much. Like I always say, I think I have probably two cocktails a year. This, yeah. That sour was now one of them. And I have a huge sweet too. So I love sugar, alcohol, not as much, but I come from a family that like everyone has their different pleasure and vices. So I want to make sure that everyone is, is ready. So I typically will create like one cocktail that kind of goes with the whole theme that I could batch up so that people can really have a drink. Cause I find that if you don't take the like priority to tell people what they're drinking, they have too much variety at the bar and then they end up know, just having a vodka soda. And then yeah. that's not fun. That doesn't help with what you're eating. Exactly. Um, I, I think it's, your mom or someone that you're related to, you have a bunch of videos of someone flipping over like a pot and it's just like beautiful rice, rice dish. Yeah. What is that? That's my mother-in-law. Okay. Uh, she, Rabina is Persian. Um, so she grew up in Iran and learned Tariq, which is crispy Persian rice. And it's one of the most incredible rice dishes in the world. I mean, anything that's like crispy carbs, every culture loves, especially rice, like anything that's, that's crispy rice is, is really good. This one's just like also perfumed with saffron. There are a million and one variations. And when you just get it right, it's one of those table side things that you flip it off for your guests and people go crazy. They, it's just like, you, you might as well, I don't know, you, you did something absolutely crazy. Um, some very similar like flambéing things or anything that involves a little bit of showmanship at the table. Yeah. I love. Yeah. I, I love a performative cook, you know, I think that's why I like, um, you know, like Korean barbecue so much because the, the, or like even exactly. exactly. You're the, oh like, my oh God. My God. <laughs> never, never, never a wrong time for hibachi. Yeah. Um, well, I'm running out of time with you, but before I let you go, I wanted to know like, what advice would you give to, someone that's starting out in the culinary industry right now. The, I, it's, and it sounds so cheesy and people get like, uh, but it's like the be yourself thing. I think at the end of the day, everyone thinks that they can mold themselves into what the world wants them to be. And I think what we've learned with social, what we've learned with really everything right now is that like the masses can sniff out a fake and they want nothing to do with it. You have to be your total messy self. The days of like the perfect polished food network, you're like the, this ideal host in this ideal kitchen, all this stuff, that's gone. People wanna know what it's like in your life. Um, so you have to tell that story. And if you tell that story and it resonates with people, you're gonna do very well. And if it doesn't, then you might not. And that's also like, there, there's a really tough, tough lesson of, of for a lot of people where it's like, all right, maybe you're just, you, you either have to find your tribe or move on. That's so funny you say that because, you know, I come from these reality shows where, yeah. uh, and it's 
it's one of my biggest pieces of advice that I that I give to people when they first come on my show. And I, it's just like, just be yourself because the audience can smell out, smell out inauthenticity from a mile away. And, and it usually comes across as um, they don't like you, but they don't know why they don't like you. And it's because they sense that this isn't really who you are. And one of my biggest pieces of advice for anyone before they go on TV or for the question I just asked you, like if you want to get into this thing, if you don't really know yourself, then you start trying to pretend to be something that you think you're supposed to be, which is not yourself and people will reject it kind of immediately. But if people are just who they are and embrace that, they always look so Completely. good. You know, I, I'm such a huge reality television fan and I've, I feel like I've studied it my whole life in, yeah. in, in this like fan role that like you start to understand very much. It's like sports. It's no different than, than sports. These are people that are competing for America's attention. Um, yeah. And it, it, everything is Survivor. Every show, no matter Housewives or anything, it's all Survivor. Um, so I think it, it's an interesting dynamic to navigate. Yeah. You were featured on Forbes 30 under 30 uh, list for food and drink. Um, first of all, how how cool is that? Is that awesome? And then how has that honor kind of advanced your career? The funny thing is, is that it was the, it was the wildest day of my life because I spent the morning. It was a, I did live with Kelly and Ryan for Hanukkah where I made Sufganio jelly donuts with Nicholas Braun from Succession. And it was this like really fun. Oh, segment. I know Nick. He's the best. He is just the like, best. The funny thing was, is I did it. With, it was before I'd even watched Succession. So I was like, oh, all right. Really? Uh, nice so you didn't even you. know Cousin Greg. I didn't know. Now, obviously obsessed. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I do this segment. I get off set. I get the email. I made Forbes 30 and 30. Amazing. Funny enough, I had a dentist appointment that day. I'm going. I need to get some wisdom teeth out. I go to get my wisdom teeth out. The guy pulled the wrong tooth. It went oh. from like, it was just like a day of like the ultimate highs and the ultimate lows. And it was a very humbling thing. So I, I look back, I was like, you had to, you had to, the universe had to balance it out somehow. Um, but it, it's been great in terms of, of my career as a whole. I'm a big believer in just like staying the course. I have a mission and I just focus on that. I think if you get too, the best advice I ever got is like, if you internalize, and this is a Broadway guy, it's like, if you internalize all the positive reviews and you have to internalize the negative ones. So even something like that, I just let kind of brush off. I was like, oh, that's nice. Keep on going, keep on with the work. That's just a good sign that you're on the right track. But I, I try, you can't let anything get to your head or else you end up this, this I don't know. You're, you're more in Hollywood than me. And it's like, it's on, on an actor's best day, they only talk about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Well, I mean, speaking of your career, um, what's next? Like, what is the next thing that you want to do? I love books. So I just keep on cranking out books. My next one's called I Could Nosh, and it comes out on September 12th. Uh, so I'm really excited because it's just like, each one is my heart and soul. I put so much work and so much effort, and I love a project that I can really like dive into and then release and then move on completely. So once that's out into the world, then we'll figure out what's next. I love just talking. I mean, I'm not, I'm like, it's like the Jennifer Coolidge interviews where she just says these random things of like roles she wants. It's like, yeah, whatever comes my way. I'm very open to the universe. I just want to cook for people. I want to cook for my friends, my family. Um, I have a lot of friends, a lot of fun with a lot of, uh, I, I don't know, high power people that just love to eat. So I just want to cook for them. Oh, wow. I want to be a mermaid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, 
Thank you so much for coming on Two Dudes in a Kitchen, uh, even though Tyler wasn't able to make it. But it was Two Dudes in a Kitchen just hanging out and talking food and Passover. Uh, where can people follow you and find out more about you and buy your stuff? Love it. The, the thing I would say, it's like there are a million Jay Cohen's in the world. I'm the only at Jay Cohen nice. uh, on everything. And then you can literally find my book wherever books are, are sold. Jewish is out now. I could nosh available for pre-order this second. Um, so have some fun. Well, Jake, thank you so much for coming on the show and enjoy uh, your Passover meal tonight. Thank you. All right. See you, bud. Of course. Have a good one. You too. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Well, he is just a nice Jewish boy who loves to cook. I really enjoyed talking to Jake. He is awesome. And I think what's amazing about what he's doing is, because if we're being honest, you don't think of Jewish cuisine as this like highly sought after amazing food. I mean, that's like French food, Italian food. Um, but he's been able to kind of turn that whole dialogue on its head and make all this amazing food um, from something that people don't normally consider as really elevated, amazing cuisine. But I, I urge you to go uh, check out all Jake's stuff. He's such a good follow on Instagram. I went through like probably 30 of his videos and I was like, man, I want to make all of this stuff. And I'm not even a Jewish kid. Anyways, he's awesome. Go follow him. Instagram, TikTok, grab his book, Jewish as well. And yeah, that was so much fun. I'm sorry that Tyler wasn't here because I imagine that Tyler has like a completely different take and question set for Jake, but maybe we'll have Jake on again and uh, we'll let Tyler ask some questions. Anyways, thanks so much uh, for listening to Two Dudes in a Kitchen, guys. Um, I promise you next time uh, 
uh, we're back. Tyler will be here because I know you guys aren't uh, tuning in to listen to me talk. So it is what it is. Again, follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes in a Kitchen on Insta. All of our stuff is over there. Uh, rate and review on the uh, the Apple Podcast Store, and we'll see you next week. All right, later. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. <laughs> we'll take that, and we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Apple Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.